Hello and welcome to Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton. Today, we are honored to be joined by my friend, my colleague, Mr. Mark Wills. And I'm not going to give you too much of a lead up to this episode. I want to roll right into it. But for those of you who want to know more about Mark Wills, you got it. You came to the right place because we're going to talk about his entire journey. And for those of you who do know who Mark Wills is, you're in for a treat because you're going to get to see the fiery, passionate, amazing person that I'm honored to call my friend. So here he is, Mr. Mark Wills. Mark Wills, it's been a long time coming. What's going on, brother? Glad I'm here, man. Talk to me. (laughs) So there's so many things that I want to talk to you about. And before we get started, let's, I I just, could you just introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do? Okay. I I don't know where to start, but uh, I'll go with, I'm Mark Wills. I am the educator of a company called the Loan Signing System. Uh, I'm a mentor to... 11,000 amazing notaries across this country. I have an online course that has about 100,000 students that kind of goes with that number. Um, I wake up every single morning trying to impact another human. And if I've done that, I've won for the day. I'll tell you this, as far as impacting another human, from the first time that we met, you made a positive impact Mm. in my life. And so that's why I'm saying this is a long time coming. Because I think when I started this, I, in my mind, you would be the perfect guest to talk about your journey uh, and how how you view the world, how you view each day, and how you approach the world. Man, I'm honored, and and I don't don't people know we've met in a mentoring program for foster children, and so you know, I, whenever I meet another human who's just willing to give back for nothing more than giving back, like. I think we should hang out more. Those are the type of people that I want to be around. So, you know, thank you for allowing me to be on, be on your platform, but I want to make sure you get your flowers where, you know, you're a human who just wants to impact other people just for the sake of impacting as well. Uh, so I'm juiced to know you, man. And I, when you uh, gave me the opportunity, I jumped at it. Is that anything for D? I'm in. So I'm glad I'm here very, very much, man. Well, thank you. That's a flattered and honored. Um, I want to, we can talk about your origin story, but I want to first start with, loan signing system. Yeah. Can you, can you start with like, when did you get into the industry with, whether it's the, yeah. the, the notary business, how did you get yeah. in? It's a good question. So I became a notary right out of college. I used to, so let me start, let me start with this. So I am America's largest notary coach. Whenever I tell that to people, they kind of give me like a little weird look, frankly, it's like an empty, like I'm confused. And so what I tell people is there is 4.4 million active notaries in America like as we speak on this, on this podcast. To put that into perspective, there is only 3 million realtors. So everybody thinks everyone's a realtor. And I'm like, no, everyone's a notary. But before me, there wasn't really a coach to coach these notaries. And so I kind of was, my success comes a blend of hard work and being lucky. I was kind of the first coach in that space. And now I'm the largest notary coach. This, this community, my community, it's a really underserved community. And so I'm very uh, blessed to be able to be the largest voice for the massive, the millions of notaries in this country. So how did I get to that point? Well, the answer was I was a notary basically right out of school. So right out of school, I became a notary and then I just... 
And then I had a buddy who was in real estate and he was like, look, all these notaries are making 150 bucks, 200 bucks a pop by watching people sign their loan paperwork. And I go, well, that's cool. I'm 25 years old and I couldn't fathom making 150 to $200 per an hour appointment. So I kind of start researching and figure out he was totally right. Uh, and then from there, I just kind of just worked hard, told every realtor in town that I'm a notary, told every loan officer in town I'm a notary, told every escrow officer in town I'm a notary. It was a school of hard knocks. I didn't have a mentor. You know, I'd go into open houses and bomb. I'd go into like escrow offices and just bomb. And through just my efforts, I learned how to have conversations with realtors so they can hire a notary, which some people may not know who listen to this podcast is every piece of real property in America, commercial or residential, a notary is required on it to close, to record the security instrument, which would be called the deed of trust or mortgage, depending where you live. And so in the county of real estate piece of property resides, whether in San Diego, San Bernardino, wherever, right, Dallas, a notary has to basically witness that signature and say, yes, that person is who they say they are. So my point is, is a lot of people don't realize this massive opportunity for notaries in the real estate industry. And nor did I. I was 25 and I stumbled upon it. And so then I got pretty good at being a notary for title companies, lenders, and escrow officers in San Diego. And so by the time I'm like 27, I was making like six figures a year and all my friends were still struggling. I'm like, yo, everyone should just be a notary, man. This is unbelievable. And so then I started teaching my buddies. They're like, we want to do what you're doing, Mark. And I'm like, cool. So I started teaching a, no a buddy here, a buddy there. And before you know it, I have like 10 of my friends who are all just doing independent notary work in San Diego and they are still doing it to this day. So anyways, the full circle comes when one of my buddies asked me to teach him how to do it. He's like, dude, I heard you're teaching all the guys down in San Diego how to be a notary. Can you teach me how to do it? I said, yeah, man, I'll just jump on FaceTime and I'll go through the whole procedure. So we jump on FaceTime. I'll never forget it because this was really the turning point in, in my life. And my, my wife was in the other room and I'm like, hey, babe, I got to jump on FaceTime to tell Roman how to, to be a notary and how to make money as a notary. Because I don't give the actual notary commission. I do the business coaching around the notary. And so Roman got his notary commission. That's my business partner. And I'm like, hey, dude, you do A, B, C, and D. Takes about two hours. So at the end of me breaking it down, usually from my friends, I get a big thank you. Like, oh my God, Mark, you're the man. Appreciate you, dude. But Roman, it was different. He goes, you just taught me how to do this over FaceTime. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, dude, Heather's in that room. I got to go. He's like, no, 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 no. You just taught me how to do this over FaceTime. And I wasn't putting the pieces together in real time. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, if you can teach me, you can teach anybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, babe, hold on. I'm going to talk to Rome for 10 more minutes. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, tell me more what you're thinking. He's like, well, you literally just taught me how to do this. If you can teach me, I can teach anybody. So yeah, I know you've teached 10 of our buddies down in SD. I'm like, well, have you ever thought about bringing it outside of that? And I said, I'm not necessarily a coach per se, but I'm like, I'm supposed if you can put a notary in front of me, I could do it. And so he ended up being the digital marketing genius of loan signing system. And he's like, Hey, well, let me try to put up a website, see if I can get some notaries. And one notary signed up and then 10 and then 20 and then a hundred, and then a thousand, and then 10,000, and then 50,000. And so now we have over one, uh, we have roughly 80 to 85,000 notaries who've taken our court, my course. Um, and so it was really an aha moment by him to bring it online. 
And then I found my passion, you know, and we'll probably talk about my origin story later, but you know, I just have a passion of helping other people. And it's like the universe put this opportunity in front of me where I can impact other people by helping them make money in this very underserved niche of notaries, which most people are like, Oh, well, my, you can only make $2 per signature. I'm like, eh, doesn't quite work like that. If you actually know what you're doing. Um, and so, yeah, that's how we got here. Uh, a buddy of mine had the vision. I had the expertise. I had the passion and, and, and the mission of helping as many humans as I can really married the, the, the mission of my business partner. And now we are the thought leader within the notary community. You know, I tell people I'm the Tony Robbins of notaries. I'm very proud of that. It's been an underserved uh, community, meaning notaries in general. There's a million real estate coaches, right? And before me, there was legitimately one notary coach. Now that's completely changed. Now there's hundreds of them. And so I love that I've given other coaches the opportunity to make money in this niche. But I'm not sure if that's where you want to go with the story, but that's exactly how it kind of came to be. And, and now I'm kind of the thought leader in the industry and, and super proud of it, man. That's amazing. And proud of you. People say trailblazer sometimes. And if there's a, an appropriate place to put that, <laughs> it's it's on your chest, man, because you sure have it. And telling that story and how you went forward, because it's one thing to to have the idea, to have things, but the uh-huh. way you, you've executed on that as well and how you, well you've done so far is just fantastic. Now, I appreciate it. I mean, like you, you're a business owner, right? And so you know, when people always ask me, how did I build it? And there was 18 months I didn't get paid a dime. And I, I always tell people when the, when the mission is bigger than the money, anything's possible. Mm. I think a lot of times people put money before the mission and that's why they fizzle out. That's why they give up in three months. That's why they give up in six months. But when the mission, when the mission is bigger than the money, then you can see it through to the end. And so it literally, I was being a notary doing title company signings. My wife and I had a newborn in the middle of the startup phase, but the mission of helping others was more important than the money. Uh, and now I'm blessed to say that, you know, I have a massive subscription model and help a lot of people, but that was secondary uh, because it was the mission. And I feel like if you can have a mission led business, I really think the money kind of follows itself. It makes itself. When you were starting out, cause you mentioned that you spoke with 10 people or helped those 10 people. Were you developing, I know you didn't have the intention of doing it, but were you right. writing it down? Were you creating a plan? So knowing that, Oh, I'm probably going to have this conversation again. Like what did that process look like? Yeah. The, the, so, you know, we, we, very early on, my partner and I were a really big believer. If we're going to coach somebody. It should be on video, right? We want to make sure every single thing was recorded so we can duplicate as quick as we could. So in the beginning, uh, everything we did, there was no conversations that we didn't have a camera rolling. And so, yes, we had a vision of like, let's make sure we don't lose anything that we say. And, and we're big AB testers. And, and to be honest, I really want to give him his flowers because, you know, he was blessed enough to go through something called Y Combinator. I don't know if you know if that is, that's the largest in, uh, tech incubator in mm-hmm. America. They say it's harder to get into Y Combinator than it is any Ivy League school. Um, so he had a lot of digital marketing background. And so, you know, he was like, we got to A-B test everything. So even when it comes to teaching, so say it like record this and then record it like this and let's see which one it lands better with the, the, the notary community. And so, yes, it was very intentional that we recorded and worked effic- effectively. But had, if, I, if I told you that I thought I was going to have 80,000 students 
seven years ago, I would have told you're crazy. You know, I had told you that, you know, I had 10,000 people in a subscription, I would have told you you're crazy. Uh, but it was really leading with the desire to transform others that, that really helped me get to where I am. And just for the record, I'm not even close to being done, dog. There's so many more people that I, I want to help and I know I can. It's just continuing what I'm doing to, to get to that place. When you mentioned the first 18 months or so when you were growing, what were some of the, the biggest challenges that you faced during that time? Uh, the biggest challenge period was was understanding how people are receiving the message I'm teaching. You know, not everyone who's a good player isn't a good coach, right? I'm a basketball fan. Magic Johnson, great player, terrible coach. And so in the beginning, it was really trying to learn how to be a good teacher. It was really learning how to get good on camera. I would literally, this is not an exaggeration. You can ask my wife. We had a green screen set up in the house for the 18 months, two years. And I would say the same topic 20 times before I'd send that video back out to be edited by my, by my partner. And so it's really learning to get comfortable on camera is learning to be okay with the ums. You know, everyone says, Mark, you can like talk so good. I'm like, dude, it's cause I've been doing it for hours and hours and hours and hours. I was not always like this. And so in the beginning, it was just kind of getting past my own, my own insecurities about, you know, how am I teaching? Am I stumbling? Or am I doing the ums and the ahs? You know, I, my hair has to be perfect. Uh, you know, now I just learned that people actually don't care what you look like. They just care about the content. And so it was just kind of getting through my insecurities. Um, I didn't put any gel in my hair today. And this is being recorded. Well, I me, me either. I didn't put any gel in mine. So <laughs> that makes two of us. Um, <laughs> I like this podcast. If the, inter- if the content works, then the podcast works. Um, but it was the, the answer to your question that was getting out of my own way was kind of the hardest part. You know, a lot of people ask me all the time, how would you be, build this into like, you know, a, a micro influencer? It was just getting out of my own way. You know, not being insecure about like the ums, the ahs, and you know, my eyes are too red, my hair is not perfect. Like I didn't say that sentence the way I had it in my head. So once I kind of learned how to get out of my own way, more secure on camera and in communicating, then 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 I was able to put out more content and help more people. Do you feel like there were things in your in your personal life also that were impacted during this time? I, I, I know I'm kind of thrown out there, but I know sometimes when you're working on something professionally, <laughs> yeah. it manifests itself in your personal and vice versa. Like you working on these insecurities in your personal life and then yeah. you see your professional yeah. life blossom. Uh, I mean, wow, I can answer that a few different ways, right? I mean, the first thing is it definitely took a toll on my marriage, right? But it takes, my wife is the best thing ever happened to me. You know, she was super supportive of day one. You know, I say every entrepreneur, man or woman has a great spouse to the side of them. You know, not behind them, but right there. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You're an entrepreneur, I do. right? And so, you know, it had it to her support of, you know, taking longer hours with the newborn. Uh, and so, you know, but it definitely took a toll, but I had her support as kind of my, 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 my statement to you. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I love, what I tell my students is this, and, and it's, and I, it's, I say it to answer the question you just asked is what I love about business isn't about the money you make, but, but about the person you become on the journey of making it like you have to become somebody new. And so I was constantly evolving into somebody new to get where I am, but I was open to that change. And so, and I was embracing of it. And so it was tough to be like, to let go of who I was in order to become who I needed to become, to be a leader, influencer. I, I didn't set out to be this person, right? It just kind of happened, but I had to evolve for it. And so really being able to, to embrace that, learn from it and, and embrace this change 
is probably one of the toughest things on the way, but I, but I love every moment of it, man. It's, it's, I'm not even close to who I'm getting. I'm not even, we're not a, ever a finished product. So I'm still evolving and, and still trying to become who I need to become. Was there a moment during that time that with, whether it's your relationship with your, with your wife and the business that you recall that you were like, it clicked. There was a moment that you've reached some kind of threshold, not saying yeah. the plateau or the peak, but someplace where yeah. you were like, Oh, yeah. I got it. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is the answer you're looking for, but I the first moment. So we have an association in our industry for notaries called the national notary association. I love them. They're great channel partners, but it hasn't always been like that. So in the beginning of my relationship with the association, I was going to speak at their conference and I felt like I made it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm a random notary in San Diego. Now I'm speaking at the large association for notaries. And then all of a sudden they asked me not to speak. And so somebody said something, et cetera, you know, cause you have the worlds of, you know, when you go, when you put yourself out there in the online world, you're going to get a lot of uh, negative feedback. You can't please everybody. And so they asked me not to uh, uh, speak. Devastated me crying, told my wife, like, you know, oh my gosh, how could one person have this power? I've built this up for years. I was about two years in at this point. Um, I've been working so hard to get here. Uh, and they asked me not to, not to, to show up. So literally devastated. So my partner at that moment was like, well, what, what can we take from this? <clears throat> and then like, well, shoot, why don't we have our own conference? And so uh, we were like, let's do it. And so I now have conference for a thousand people. They're huge. My very first conference was 100 people. That's more like a meetup than a conference, but we called it a conference, loan signing system conference. So to answer your question, at that first conference, we had a hundred people there. And some people flew from Maryland and North Carolina and New York and Denver. And that was the moment that is like, wow, somebody spent money to come from New York to listen to me speak. Someone came from Denver. And that was the moment I knew I was making impact. These people stopped their lives, came. The ticket was $300. Ticket to the event was significantly cheap, but to get there wasn't. And so the fact that these amazing community members believed in me enough to spend money on a plane ticket, spend money on a hotel room, spend 300 bucks on a conference ticket, which then I thought was bananas, was the moment that I was doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like that was the moment of just like my wife and I both just sat back and I will never forget it. Soul was so young. That's my son, you know, kind of in a, in a baby infant sack on the front. And we're just like, this is the work. Like I'm in the, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. And so uh, that was a moment it clicked for me and I got the hugs and the flowers from my community. And it's just like, that's the moment I knew I had to go all in. And so from that moment on, we've been to this stratosphere and I'm not stopping dog. I mean, I got more people to help more humans to help and I'm not going to stop until I can help as many as I humanly can. Well, what's so remarkable. Well, one of the things that's so remarkable about this is that feedback that you get from the people, not just them showing up, but to your point, how much they have to do to get there, to be a part mm -hmm. of what you, the platform yeah. that, that you created. And when it, what, from what I've seen and the feedback from what I've seen online, but also some people that I know in the industry completely <clears throat> from different, I know them from somewhere completely yeah. else. And they're like, you know, Mark it's amazing. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And so that love that, 
you receive from the people that like, like I know you love you, support you, but I'm hearing people on the other side of the country. that are like, man, love that. So that, that support, that love, that, that embrace is just magnifying the impact that you're making. It's it's so awesome to see. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I mean, I know you have an entrepreneur base, business base audience, you know? And so, you know, I get all the time, you know, how did you build this? And the question I just cared. I, mm. I think too many people put the money or where they're going or their own personal goals above who they're serving. And if you can, and I know that's a little cliche, but I actually don't think it is. If you, you know, I, I try to create a heart led business where the best decisions in them. Look, my course, I've helped people literally make seven figures. My most expensive course is 800 bucks. Like I could charge five grand, but if I did, less people would have access to it. And so am I losing money by having a lower price course? Sure, but I'd be losing impact. And that's more important to me. I know if I have the impact, I'll get the students, I'll get the revenue. And I'm very honored and, and blessed and humbled to have a, a pretty good generating business, but it's only because I cared. And so I, I really feel if more businesses really put their heart on their sleeve, I think they'd attract more customers um, and, and get vulnerable with them. And so um, I hope that doesn't sound like me standing on a soapbox, but you know, I, I definitely get my fair share of people who come up to me and ask me and they're and like, they're pricing the course at 5,000 bucks. I'm like, you can't be caring about the consumer. If you're coming out of the gates with a $5,000 product to me, that's about the money. Right. Hmm. So if you I mean, why wouldn't you put it at a hundred bucks and see how it works? And so, you know, I just really believe in just a heart led business and, and yeah, that's good. I'll take that to the grave, man. Yeah. You're, and you're, you're bearing the fruits of it. So I, let's, let's go back to the, I know we talked about the loan signing system origin story. I, yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about the Mark Wills mm, origin absolutely. story. Yeah, And I want to preface this before you, before you go. Um, one of the things that's been really impactful for me is to, to hear you speak about your journey mm. and the things like your why. And yeah. how you developed your mindset. So I, again, I don't, I don't want to give anything yes. away, but I, I just want to preface this. But it, it's, it's made a huge impact on on me and how I mm. view the world in a lot of ways. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to offer this platform to, to have you share this message. Well, first off, man, you know we, we don't talk nearly enough. I'll say that right now. Um, but it's thank you for saying that. You know, because sometimes you know I don't hear that feedback, so it really helps me to keep doing it. Cause sometimes I don't know if it's impacting. So thank you uh, for sharing that with me, man. Um, yeah, man, where do I start? So let me start with this. I, I was born in Korea to an American soldier. It's an important part of my, my story. And so in Korea, you know, post Korean war, you know, American had a lot of America had a lot of bases in Korea. And so American soldiers uh, were sleeping with a bunch of Koreans. And so they say there was over, uh, there's over 200,000 half Korean, half American soldier babies, people floating around Korea to this day. Um, so, but because there've been, there were so many births, the Korean culture looked down upon the half American babies, uh, like we are less than. And so half American babies, uh, were really shunned upon. There was a lot of racism against half American, half Korean, regardless of the other ways, you know, it's black, white, Asian. If you're American with a Korean, it was, you were going to have not a good life. There was, they called them the lost souls, dusts of the street. There's a lot of homeless kids who were just left on the, on, to be because the Korean culture didn't accept them. 
And so my, my biological mom or my mom saw the future of what it looked like for me in Korea's because she had a baby with an American soldier. And so she, I was with my mom until about two and a half years old. And she then made the tough decision to give me up for adoption. She felt that the best choice for me was not to be in America, even though she was with me for two and a half years. And so then she ended up putting me in an orphanage in Korea. Uh, and then I ended up getting adopted in America. You know, that separation, I'm guessing you know about like, you know, detachment disorder. You know, I was with my mom for two and a half years. All of a sudden, I'd never see her again. So I had a lot of attachment to my my mother figure. Uh, and then overnight, that was gone. And so um, I was then got shipped, quote unquote, to America. And I was adopted by this amazing family whose heart was in the right place. They wanted to help an international adoptee. What they didn't realize was the emotional issues that I would have attached to that disattachment from my birth mom. And so I ended up being a, a difficult child. And so from two and a half to about seven, I was with the American family in Orange County. Um, and then they decided at when I was seven, that I was too much, that I was uh, not worth keeping. And so uh, they returned me to the foster care system. And so they return me almost as if you return something to Amazon. It's like, oh, we'll try it. Not good enough. Let's return it. And so they literally just return me to the system. And so I end up going into the foster care system, which which is where I met Dustin. That's what I mean, where my connection to Dustin comes because I have a big connection to the foster care system. And so I went to two different foster care systems from uh, in a year's time. And so I went from being unadopted, from given up to an orphanage in Korea, to adopted to being unadopted in foster care to foster care. Then a family who is, I am Mark Wills, so we'll call them the Wills family. The Wills family adopted me in Northern California. The crazy part of all my story doesn't end there is, is then, you know, they, my mom and dad have the biggest hearts in the world because they adopted 20 kids. And so they had five biological as if five wasn't enough. They're like, oh, five's not enough. Let's get some more. And so, <laughs> and they, so they adopted 20. But I share that because I go from being isolated to not being wanted to all of a sudden going into a, a group home environment, right, where I had to compete for attention. And so then I go into a family who does love me, but the constant yearning for attention wasn't there, the, the feeling of kind of being in a family quote setting wasn't there, although it was way better than being in the foster care system. And so then in that moment, I realized that I just had to be who I am today. And so um, I was there until 18. And now because of my past, my calling is to help others because I know what the lack of consistency feels like. And so I don't, if anyone feels that, I don't want them to feel that. So my, 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 my calling is to give people consistency in a very inconsistent world where it's like either just being in their corner, trying to help them through a business, trying to get them through their, their limiting beliefs. But it's because of my past is who I am today, man. So that was kind of my nutshell story. I hope it came out okay. It, one of the things that I would love to hear you drill down on mm -hmm. a bit about these pivotal moments in yeah. your life. When you had to make a decision, you, you're dealing with, as a child, you're, yeah. you're dealing with these emotions. I'm sure your language to put on these moments is different now than it was then. Yes. How, how, how did you deal? You know, I know you may have lashed out. There may have been certain things. You have to go in those details. Yeah. But 
what how do you find the strength to overcome yeah. obstacles or challenges yeah you know you know I've, I've done a lot of therapy in my years right and i'm still a work in progress on my healing the, the, the short answer is you know i believe memories can be used as an asset or liability and so i learned that kind of early on even without being able to put it into words like that right and a, a memory can either serve you a moment an event can serve you or a moment can hinder you and I think once we all realize that, you know, we can always determine what, where we go with that event. And so my past gave me a lot of resilience. And so I, I kind of tapped into my traumas to create a resilient person. And so it came off as in the beginning, lashing out, you know, and I did as I can only imagine what I was like two to five years old. And so the resilience I had to build from them is kind of has what allowed me to be a good entrepreneur not necessarily always a good spouse, a good friend, but a good entrepreneur because you got to have some resilience building what you build, right? Um, but to answer your question, it really is resilience is what I can really just use a word to describe my childhood is I became a very resilient child because of my past. And in those pivotal moments, it's like, it's going to either make me or break me. And I just chose it to make me. When you when you think back on how you approach it and even what you do now as far as giving back and I don't even say trying because you are you are doing when you're giving back to youth that may not have that consistency in mm -hmm. their life is there anything specific that you try to keep in mind um that you carry into each mm. Situation does that make sense? I mean, maybe yeah. it's not a very clear question, but no, sometimes... it's a clear question. Uh, and and let me answer it. I, you know, one of my biggest problems in, as an adult, and I'll be very vulnerable, is is trust, right? And so I, you know, you I trusted my mom at two and a half. All of a sudden, she's no longer in my life. And then I go to this other family, and they give me up. And then I go to a foster home, and they give me up. And I go to enough. And they, so my point is is foster children have a lot of trust issues and, and that bled into some issues with my adulthood and I'm working through that. And so I'm being very vulnerable right now. And so the answer to you is, is when I help the children that I, so I also foster mentor youth, just like Dustin does with a great organization called promises to kids. So the biggest thing that I do, and I'm trying to mentor even my community who may not have gone through the foster care trauma. And what I tell my community is, Trauma is trauma is trauma. No one's trauma is worse than somebody else, right? It's not a battle of whose trauma is worse, you know? And so I think sometimes people get in this weird battle of like, I'm, I'm worse than you are. It's just how we process. And so my point is, whether it is my community who I know has gone through personal traumas or the foster, I, I try to let everybody know you can trust me. You can call me a lot of freaking things, but you can't call me not trustworthy. And so I try to let the foster youth and even my community know, like, when I say I'm here, I'm here, dude. You know what I mean? Like if I'm on vacation and, and I, I'll talk to a community member if they need my help, or I'll talk to the, uh, I almost used a name, one of the foster youth that I meant to, I want to keep them nameless, but we know I'll reach out to anybody. Cause I want them to know that at the minimum they can trust because the hardest thing a foster youth has is trusting an adult, trusting someone else. And I share that because that was my own biggest issue was trust. And so, um, to answer your question, that's what I try to give them. And I try to make sure my community also knows that I'm here. When I give you my word, it really is my word. And so 
Uh, when I tell you, I'm gonna give you a day of my month to my, my foster youth, there's nothing's gonna get away me breaking that word. Like that's it. Cause I know how many people have broken words to them and not necessarily with intention. It's just life hands that out sometimes. And so, um, yes, when I lead foster youth and even when I lead my community, it's all about trying to let them know, like, I know what inconsistency of, of care is. I know what, you know, you know, not having somebody who's always there, the same person. And I just want to be that rock the best I can do while serving as many people as I do. Do you, do you feel a burden for yeah. that trust, uh, for, for, for carrying that weight of wow. making those obligations to people like, Oh, I'll be there. But then all of a sudden, cause I, I just imagine now yeah. with your obligations, your, your wife, you know, your family, the loan side, loan signing system, yeah. family, the, the, yeah. the, the organizations and the, the foster youth and all the other things that you do in your community. Do you, do you feel a, a Burden's not a good word. No, but it is a good word. It is, and because it, it it's heavy, and, and and to a fault. You know, when I first started building loan signing system, I would literally be uh, answering emails until midnight, and I, I literally worked seventy hours a week because I felt almost guilty. And so, through my my therapy, which I actively do, you know, I really turned um, a corner when I realized it's not Mark against the world; it's Mark serving the world. And I think a lot of people who have traumas almost do it in spite of instead of for. And so uh, I used to feel that burden. I, I don't any longer. And so it's a great question, man. No one's ever asked me that. Um, and so it was, and it wasn't, it was, it was a burden of helping others. And so I realized that I can just, I can only do so much and that so much is okay. And so I've lessened that, you know? And so every day I try to be very cognizant of being on from eight to five and through eight to five, I am on, I, you have a hundred percent of me five o'clock. My family gets me right the weekend. So it, it, it really, you know, I found almost building a community was anti helping my, my trauma healing, uh, where I almost was something I was leaning into versus really being supported by. Um, so uh, now you know, I'm, I got, I'm massive into healing. I think everyone should heal. I think therapy is good for the world, the soul. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you asked because this is a platform I can share share that with. But yeah, so no longer is it, but it was. And so it's yeah, a great that, question. Well, I'm, I'm glad you feel feel that way about it because sometimes when you're when you're running towards something, you can realize mm-hmm. in a way maybe you're running away from it. Yeah, there's right. It's just a it's a a thing that you're, you're, you're trying to help, but then all of a sudden you're carrying so much cause you try to help so many and you're yeah. like, wait a minute. Uh, but also one of the, one of the treasures that you can, can find along this journey is, is the, the people that you meet along the way that you work through it together and you yeah. figure it out together. It, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And then they add to that, it's a beautiful thing. And if I had to be very transparent with you and your audience, you know, like, I didn't really share my journey with my community for about two or three years in. And I, cause I didn't feel like they deserved the weight of mine. Cause they're going through so much of their own stuff. Like, why would I add to you? Like the weight of my story? Like, I'm just here to help you. But I realized that, you know, people want to help. And that was actually my own traumas hindering this idea that like, I can't put it on other people. Cause sometimes people want to, I got to allow other people to help as much as they want help. And I realized that, you know, by being a little more vulnerable and open, it's actually made me have so much less weight 
And because now I'm sharing it with you. So had you asked me to share this on a podcast five years ago, I would have been a little hesitant. But now I see the power of sharing. And it's mm. not just to make someone feel that they're not alone because I feel like it's a really important part of sharing. But it's also letting people know that, hey, I can, I can use a hug today. You know, I yeah. can use some uplifting. And I think so. And, and people knowing that to you is as powerful as you giving someone else a hug. And so people want to hug and hold as much as they want to be held and hold. And so I think allowing that to happen, I think, is, is a really cool moment between you and another human. And so I, I was letting them down by trying to keep this to myself. And part of the burden question is I let that go. And like, hey, my story helps someone great, but it's not even about helping them, it's about letting them help me. And that was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, you had to get to that point to yes. realize that. And, you know, I had I had a bit of a realization earlier this year because I think there's a reflex when people say, hey, how you doing? And you say, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, doing well. Huh? Yeah, you know, but I feel like once I started to someone said, hey, how are you? And not just the vomit all my complaints all yeah, over them, yeah, yeah. but but in some way say, hey, these are the challenges that I'm working with. This is the 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 things yeah. that I'm faced with. And like, to your point, people love to help. And if yeah. I just, if somebody says to me, Hey, everything's great. Great. Yeah. I don't, there's nothing for me to do with that. But yeah. if someone says, Hey, I'm having mm. an issue with my accounting, blah, yeah. blah, blah, I was like, Oh, well, why don't you talk to Billy over here? Yeah. Because he can yeah. help. you know, then you open yourself to the yeah. ability to help and people want to. Yeah. Well, what you're really doing is you're allowing them to shine. Mm. And, and, and so by, by asking for help, you're actually allowing someone else to like, rise of the occasion. And that makes them feel good. And so by being vulnerable, really just, I think is powerful for just humanity because you're allowing someone up, you know, I had a great day today. Cause I helped Dustin with this accounting. Like you gave that, you allowed that moment to happen kind of unintentionally, but intentionally by being vulnerable yourself. And so, yeah, I to your point, I appreciate you saying that is like, I had to grow into that myself. And so the fact that I did, and now we're having this conversation, hopefully help someone else be like, it's cool to be vulnerable. You know what I mean? And it's okay. Cause People don't see you as weak. They actually see you as strong. Absolutely. When, when you talk about dividing your time, I want to kind of get back, get yeah, back yeah. to like how this all overlaps. I, I love this. Damn, I love baby. This. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. When you, when you get back to like how all these things um, overlap, because you mentioned, you know, from, from eight to five, you're here, then you're with your family. Are there, are there any other things that you do? to to blow off steam you mentioned basketball um yes. i know you had a you had a, a boxing bag at your like what what yeah. other things do you do to help you find your center no it's a good question man and if i'd be really honest with you um if you follow me on instagram at loan signing system you know i try to be i try to show my life my point is like i i found that things that was slipping and, and so you know i tell my community i'm i like i get the go go mentality because my traumas have kind of made me go 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 and so uh, I, I try to be more intentional with it. So I try to golf. I try to work out. Um, you know, I am now getting back into golf, I'm trying to golf at least once a week. Cause those are things I used to love to do before I got in this massive building phase and helping others. I lost a little bit of what made me grounded and what brought me enjoyment. Um, speaking of basketball, I don't play nearly as much basketball. So I'm trying to get back into that. And, and you know, what I mentioned, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago is, you know, business is just you evolving. And so I, I'm still evolving into how to put all these pieces together. I will not tell anybody that I have it right, but I'm doing my best to have it right. And, and so I just have to give myself grace on that. 
Um, but yes, I, I need to get better at that is my answer, Dustin, you know, but I, I think that the, the tip is what I really lean on to is time blocking. I, I lean on like non-negotiable time blocking. Like when it's like five to eight, it's family time. It just is what it is, dude. Right. But if I'm going on vacation, like I just got to time block the moments in so I can really put all these pieces together. And, and I just try to create non-negotiable times and it's kind of worked for me. And I say ish, because I can still get better at it. I am not a finished product, but um, doing my best to just, you know, being my best is all I ask of myself and my students is just give your best every day. Yeah. Well, I do not play basketball anymore because my knees are all jacked up, but I'll, we got to make some time to get out on the golf course. We'll have to make that happen. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I just, I shot a one ten. So if that, in, that, that intimidates you, Dustin, I shot a one ten <laughs> about, about, about two weeks ago at wrench, but if that, that doesn't get intimidate you, dog, I'm in a hundred percent brother. Yeah, no, not intimidated. I'm <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to ask another yeah. question about influences in your life and you know, no limits to this on the, on the, the age range or anything, but has, yeah. has there been any, person or people in your life that have either said something to you or done something for you. You alluded to a couple of things earlier in this conversation, but I want to give this, give you an opportunity to say like, you know what, this person in my life said this or did this and it stuck with me. Has there been any instances like that you can share? Yeah. So I have a buddy and and if, now that I say that it makes me very sad because I really can't call him a good buddy anymore, but he used to be a good time COVID kind of now we're talking out loud. I'm like, maybe I need to reach back out. But anyways, so, you know, I have a buddy who's like, we all have that one friend who's the most successful, right? And so this buddy's name is Craig. Um, he's so successful. He owns at Craig on Instagram. I'm like, how do you get like your name on Instagram? Doug? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> at Dustin. Anyway, so um, he is my most successful friend. And so, uh, and he's always been my biggest cheerleader. Like even back when I was making up, you know, a hundred grand. And I say that kind of very blessed with like, you know, that, but you know, he always said, you got to think bigger. You got to think bigger. And so, you know, right when loan signing system was crushing, like, you know, we got our 10,000 student, whatever it was, we finally like hit the hockey stick. And I'm like, dude, we are killing it, man. I'm helping all these people. And he goes, and his, he's emotionless. And he goes, you got to, he's like, got to go bigger. And I'm like, can you just like celebrate with me? And he's just like, and Heather was at, Heather was there as with me, Heather and his wife, Sarah. And he's like, you got to go bigger. And I couldn't fathom what bigger was then. And so, you know, I had like my 10,000 student and like, had you told me I can help 10,000 10, people would pay for a course. I would have told you out of your mind. And he's like, you got to go bigger. And so it's funny is that moment. And now my personal mission is to help 1 million notaries. And, and so that moment of like, going from like 10,000 to like a million and like this idea. And I'm not even to a hundred thousand, by the way. And so it was this idea of the goal should never really be attainable. Mm -hmm. Because if the goal is obtainable, you're, you're stopping the actions. You're not growing. You're not evolving. Now, you know, he owns a billion with that's with a B, a billion dollar company. And even the idea of a billion is mind blowing. He has like 900 employees. It's crazy three founders. And so, but I'll never forget we're at the dinner and where I was, I was in Temecula and the Olive Garden, we're at this dinner, you know, I say Temecula because we're both in Southern California. So I know, I know exactly where I was when he, he, we had this moment and he goes, he goes, and at that moment, you know, he was like, I was like, Hey, 
I started an online course. I have 10,000 people. I'm like, I should teach other people how to build online courses. And he's like, unsuccessful people dig wider. You got to dig deeper. You're not even close to the impact you can make in your niche. You guys, entrepreneurs get so, you know, this shiny syndrome, you know, a shiny object syndrome. I know it well. (laughs) And and yeah. And so, and he just kept saying, dude, like, you got to keep going deeper. He says, you've got to go deeper. And that was kind of the moment that I knew I can take loan signing system to the stratosphere. And if you would still ask me with, you know, 10,000 plus subs, 80,000 students, like I haven't scratched the surface. And that changed uh, uh, five years ago when, you know, I hit my 10,000 students and I could be making that number up, but it was very early on when I first thought I made it. And he was like, dude, like you're, you're not even close. Keep going, keep thinking. And, and, and what I tell my students is, what I didn't realize at that time was the bigger you dream, the bigger your actions. That's what I couldn't put together. Like, why is he telling me to think a million? Right. And it's because if I'm thinking a million, my actions are going to be different if I'm just thinking 10,000. And that was the moment for me. It's like, ah, the bigger you dream, the bigger your swings, the more you take shots, the longer your shots are. So if I shoot for the stars and get the trees, like they say, you crush. But when you think small, you're just not making those big, swings at, at, at your goals. And like I said, I'm not even a hundred thousand students and I'm, I'm, I'm working towards a million baby and I'm not going to stop yeah. till I get there. And so, uh, that was kind of my influential. His name's Craig Clemens. Uh, like I said, he has a million people followers on Instagram. I'm honored to know him. Um, don't know. I, we've grown a little bit since away since COVID makes me sad now that I'm talking about it, but uh, he's been one of the big influences, business friendship. Um, seeing him grow his business from zero to a billion dollars in sales is incredible. So, uh, to answer your question, it's, it's kind of a homegrown buddy who, uh, um, used to run around PB together and now he's, you know, this amazing business businessman. So yeah, dreaming big. I know exactly where I was. I thought 10,000 notaries was great and it was cool. I smelled the roses, but I'm still going, you know what I mean? That's, a, that's amazing. And I think we all need people in our life and influences to, to, help you see past where yes. you think the horizon is. Yeah. Say, no, 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 there's something, there's something else over here. Like, or you got to keep going. So I think that that's so important. And however, you know, and I don't, I don't, I think it's, it's great to have those influences. It's, it's best if you have them in your life as people that you can yeah. sit down and talk to and share yeah. a meal with. But I'm a big fan of however you can get inspired. Yes. Go there. If it's a book, if it's a movie, if it's a you know, I mean, podcast, dude, I'm whatever. Going, I'm going to the Aspire uh, uh, event in San Diego. You should go, man. Come on, we roll together. Uh, Gary V speaking. Uh, um, uh, man, uh, Jer- uh, Jerry Itzler is out his name. The guy who sold NetJets. Uh, mm. So my point is, I, I agree with you. Like, mm. I'm all in. I love Ed Milet. I love Mel Robbins, um, Tim Ballou. Um, So agreed I, i'm a ferocious reader of learning i'm looking at my my bookshelf right here if you see my eyes breakthrough advertising you eugene ward's triggers unbelievable book so yeah unbelievable 100 agree with you man i am trying to get inspired every which way i can um because if you if you stop growing you're you're dying and that's just mm. period you know so are there you mentioned uh, a couple other books and speakers are there any books that you that you found influential in your because the name of this podcast is tools talents and techniques yeah. and that's a big part of like what yeah. i'm trying to figure out like yeah. what are the things that 
you use to help you find success? And you, you mentioned some of the things that, that you've done in your life, the people in your life, but are there any, are there any books that stand out that you, that you go back to? The, I almost read it yearly. I'd be lying if it's been the past few years, but I used to read it yearly. Uh, is how to win friends and influence people. It is an oldie, mm. but a goodie. Uh, and I try to revisit it. Now that we're talking, I need to revisit it more. Uh, you know, I kind of go through phases right now. I'm, I'm now really into marketing. Uh, Triggers by Joe Sugarman is unbelievable. Uh, looking at that right now on my bookshelf. Um, Breakthrough Advertising. If you've not read Breakthrough Advertising, as a business owner, you need to read it tomorrow. Like, okay. Tomorrow. Um, it is the holy grail of advertising. So Breakthrough Advertising, it used to be an $800 paperback book until someone just bought it out and now sells it for the normal price. Uh, the Greatest Salesman in the World, another classic everyone should read. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is, I'm really, now what I would say to you, and I don't know if this applies is, you know, I'm really big into like people within your own niche. So like Russell Brunson, big fan, but he's really mm -hmm. big for digital marketing, right? So if you're not a digital marketer, maybe you don't follow him. Um, I listen to, um, I try to listen to almost every podcast by Ed Milet and Alex Hermosi. Um, I try to listen to as many stuff from Gary Vee as I can. So I'm just constantly consuming and trying to get better. But yeah, uh, my best tool I can give any business owner is read Breakthrough Advertising. It is, it will change the game. That is, see, that's a, that's a great tip. Cause I've actually heard of that book before, but I, I, I haven't read it. So do you, you okay. It will change your view on what, I'll give you a little insight on the book right now. He goes, a lot of people are in education, not advertising. Mm. You have to learn how to delineate between the two. And so we try to use advertising dollars to educate losing proposition in his opinion. You have to, advertising is once everyone's educated. So how do you educate first, then advertise? It's, it's like, it will totally delineates the five different buying habits or buying uh, psychologies, problem aware, solution aware. It's so good. Every business owner in America should read it. It's so good. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. So listen, Mark, I've, uh, you've been, you've been so gracious with your time today. Yeah, man. Um, you, we, you are. Uh, an inspiration to I, I, I'm not just speaking for myself, but those other people in, in the the loan signing system that I've talked to from around the country, but all the other people also, uh, you know, in, in the in the foster care system and just giving back to the community. You you meant so much to so many people, and you right. continue to do so. And you talk about where you want to go with your business. I have no doubt you'll get there. And any way that I can help you get there, uh, I will, of course. But I want to take these last few minutes to just give you the platform and give you the stage. Is there any other parting words you'd like to give our listeners? Yeah. You know, if, if this is a very business-minded. And, and by the way, I don't want to sound like I'm on a soapbox. My business um, is still growing. I still think we're in a startup phase. Uh, I act like we are at least, and we're trying to grow every day. But, you know, what I preach is if you lead with the consumer in mind, the money always follows. Like what is best for them? And so, it, it, you know, it really, I believe that, you know, again, we found success in the online course space. And so less than 1% of all online courses break seven figures. I broke that in year two. And so it's a constant, how did you do it? I, I get it every, I, I belong to, I believe in masterminds. If you listen to this and you do not belong to masterminds, what are you doing? 
Uh, you got to be in a room with smarter people than you. So I, I belong to masterminds. Um, but anyways, uh, people said, how do I do it? And it's just simply because I cared. The money wasn't important. And I don't say that with like this Mother Teresa, but it was, I knew the money would come if I would just serve. So I was not doing this as a nonprofit. Let me make that crystal clear. But I wasn't doing it just thinking about how can I make a ton of money? And so, you know, in the online, I'll speak for the online course world because information is the best product to sell, period. Okay. And so um, if you're looking to sell an information product, it, you know, I get people who are experts. Mark, I'm an expert uh, physical therapist. I'm an expert, you know, X, Y, Z. You know, I want to charge $5,000 for my course. Well, you're missing the boat if that's where you want to start. Because you're not trying to, you're not trying to help a human. You're trying to make money. And so if, if, if you're thinking about selling an information product, uh, my best piece of advice for you is charge it. My, my course started at 15 bucks, by the way. $15, you get the same course today that you can get for 300 bucks. And so I have different tier prices, but if you can just focus on transformation of another human, and I really do believe that this, this falls on any business in America. Like if you're a window washer and your, your belief is like, I just want them not to see any dirt. I want to see the world crystal clear through the window. You're thinking about the consumer, not you. If they just do your job with like, how can they really benefit? I, I think the money in the business builds itself. And so I'm not done trying to impact people. It's not chasing money. It's chasing the impact, chasing transformation. So you can focus on that, man. I think money becomes abundant. Uh, I think your time becomes abundant. I think everything just, just lives in that abundant stratosphere, which I'm pushing towards every day. Um, I don't know if that helped anybody, uh, but if you're on the online course space, think about transformation before you think about money. Once you transform, they can charge whatever you want to charge. So, Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, you've helped me. Thank you. And I'm sure you're going to help a lot of the listeners as well. So I'm going to have all your information in the show notes, but last thing, can you just tell people where to find you on Instagram and all your socials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm on uh loan signing system. That's not systems That's system, uh, on Instagram, on uh, YouTube, uh, TikTok. It's Mark Wills official. Go to loan signing system.com. Uh, if you're slightly interested in the best, uh, income, no one's ever heard of that's being a notary. Everyone's heard of it. Doesn't really know how to maximize it. Um, and I've just been blessed to be able to teach so many people how to make, make money as a notary public and, and just can't wait to help the next person, man. So D, uh, thank you to you. And I, I, I'll end with this is, um, Dustin getting some flowers. I know this is, is your podcast, but I want you to get some flowers. I mean, like I said, I met Dustin, um, mentoring foster youth, uh, and Dustin does it out of kind of heart. Uh, not so he can show off. I just, he does it because he's wanting to help. And so those are the people I want to be surrounded by, man. So anytime you want to grab dinner, you want to grab a drink, you want to play golf, literally I'll, 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 I'll stop my schedule and make it happen, man. So, uh, thank you for what you're doing to the community. Thank you for just being a good human. Uh, and thank you for having me on today, brother. So until next time. All right. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Peace. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. We hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And if you did find value in the episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform, leaving a review, and sharing with your network. We have an amazing lineup in the coming weeks and months with some very impressive leaders and some of the heaviest hitters in business who are making a positive impact in the world. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes and special features coming up. We appreciate your ongoing support and look forward to welcoming you back next time on Tools, Talents, and Techniques.